Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the City Council's budget work session. Madam Clerk, if you would please uh, read the Chamber uh, emergency evacuation notice followed by the roll call. Yes, ma'am. The Council evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. For the roll call, please. Mr. Addison. Ms. Jordan, Ms. Lambert, Ms. Nye, Ms. Lynch, Ms. Trammell, here, Mr. Jones, present, Vice President Robertson, President Newbill, here. All are in attendance with the exception of Ms. Lambert and Ms. Lynch. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Before we get under, underway with the budget discussion, I would first like to uh, express uh, our thanks and appreciation to uh, several persons. Certainly first to uh, the administration, uh, Ms. Sabrina Joy Hogg, um, Mr. Jason May, Mr. Lincoln Saunders, for your work in reviewing and responding to council's amendments and getting those into us. I'd like to uh, certainly recognize the work of Mr. Robert Bob in uh, facilitating the discussion between council and uh, the administration and the ambulance authority. I'd like to absolutely thank Chip Decker for the additional work that's transpired in discussion between the administration and the ambulance authority uh, that has allowed us to get to what I believe is resolve. Um, and last but certainly not least, I'd like to thank council staff, Mr. Bill Eichelberger, Mr. Uh, Samson Anderson, and Ms. Joyce Davis for all of the work and efforts relative to uh, the budget uh, preparation. And uh, we have two other persons who have been uh, assisting, uh, Ms. Shaw, I believe, and Ms. Brown. Thank you both as well. I did. I did. Um, thank you, Vice President. Uh, so again, um, a huge amount of work was undertaken to get to amendments. This was not uh, minor, several meetings, deliberations uh, with all of these entities. I know I had discussions, et cetera, and um, <clears throat> really want to express great appreciation for all of the efforts that have gotten us to this place and look forward to uh, successfully navigating our amendments. Uh, our discussion will be led today by Mr. Bill Eichelberger. Thank you, Madam President. Um, what I wanna do is start. Yes, Councilwoman Trammell. Yeah, Madam President. Um, there was some questions that was asked of me last week when, um, when Mr. Um, Robert Bob was here. And I think, I can't remember if I gave them to Joyce or talked to Joyce about it, but people were asking me who hired him, how much did he get paid, 
um, why was he here for just Chip Decker and not for um, the others like the, um, the fire chief, the police chief, you know, if, this, if we were dealing with public safety, the sheriff's office, um, DEC, I don't have, I don't have those, I don't have and those answers. We can provide you with that information. That was a request. Um, certainly as we thought about the opportunity to have all three entities getting to the table, being thoughtful about who could and would be best to facilitate that discussion. And certainly the person who was here when that the authority was created, plus the fact that Mr. Bob and his team are already doing some work with the city now uh, in terms of a study, efficiency, effectiveness study um, out of uh, the auditor's office. And so since he's already been doing work with us, have some sense and even more so was the administration under which that entity was created it made sense to us that he would be a good facilitator. But we can provide you with the information. But if uh, that was the case, then why wasn't he, um, why didn't he come before our budget meetings when when we had the police chief, the fire chief? Um, uh, Mr. Amel, uh, let me I'm just say. Saying, there was questions I had for the fire chief that I never even got any answers sure you never brought him back before us sure and all of a sudden we put chip decker over here like in a hot seat start asking him all these questions but yet they're the other ones get a free pass That's they do not get a free pass mr Hamill. they do not get a free pass they the did the same kind of questions that chip decker got they did okay. not give us the same um layout i thought i had it with me um but i don't so, Ms. Trammell, let me let me just say I will make sure we provide the information in terms of the costs. We, with all of the agencies, our auditor does audits every year of multiple city agencies. So folks do not get a free pass and do not not get to have review. Madam President, well, I'm not I'll talk to you offline, but that's okay. not that's not a true statement because I know that just like. Vice President Ellen Robertson brought up about we put it in a budget to have um, to have someone help the, um, Yvette Jones. Then we find out that she never got the help that, that I thought we had put that person in a budget. Okay. So that she so that's you know. And I'm, we can take I'm a look at saying, that. I'm not saying you're not truthful. I'm just saying there's things that get that get covered up that we don't find out about until we get into the budget cycle the following year or whatever that. You know, some of these, like we've asked over and over about the nonprofits, we've asked over and over about how come public works gets cut, public um, utilities, um, recreation and parks, and those vacancies don't get filled. Uh, but anyway, I'll in terms of any, to your first point relative to Robert Bob, I'm happy to make sure we provide that information. To the next point in terms of um, agencies being reviewed, our auditor, their audits conducted on an ongoing basis, and we can pull the list of them from fire march, et cetera. There's not a free pass. To your third point, I think we do have to be vigilant when items are put in the budget and work with the administration to make sure they're implemented. So if there's a position that was there but didn't get implemented, understanding why and what we need to do to move that forward. And so, uh, yes, just, we can follow up after. And just one more thing. Um, who who on council knew that Robert Bob was working? That's what I was asked. Over knew that Robert Bob that was. Robert Bob was working at City Hall in reference to the administration or whatever. 
I don't know I don't, that he was working. He, so in other words, he was volunteering all the information that we received or whatever. Okay. So, and I'll ask um, very specifically, uh, we have a study that council approved funding efficiency effectiveness study. That uh, item was put in the budget uh, last year. I want to say um, probably the lead patron was Mr. Addison. That study has been ongoing and they're close to being uh, ready to make a presentation to council. Mr. Bob is uh, that's a, one of the uh, entities, but it's a full team of folks and that's been going on for months. That's not new. That's it had a full bid process. Um, all of that. So we can update you on it. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Mr. Eichelberger. Um, yes, ma'am. <clears throat> You've got in front of you a copy of the budget scenario worksheet. This differs a little bit from the one we worked with last week. It differs a little bit from the ones you've seen uh, most budget cycles in the past <clears throat> in that um, I was asked to take the column where you've got your amendments set out and place beside that a summary of what the administration paper uh, in response showed. And then over the weekend, I was asked to come up with a review of that and make any alternative suggestions that I might have. If you look at this worksheet, one of the things you'll see is in doing their uh, response, the administration did not follow this order that's on your worksheet. So what I did is a crosswalk, and this tells you the line number in this column. This tells you the line number in the administration's worksheet that you can go to, and you've got that in front of you. It looks like this. And if the discussion uh, goes in that direction and we need to, that's something we've set up that we can put up on the screen uh, for you to take a look at as well. But it is cross-referenced, so you can go look at both if you need to. Um, in looking at what the administration had proposed in response to your uh, collective amendments, I only have four areas where um, I would suggest you do something different. Um, the net result of those four differences is that at the bottom of this worksheet, oh, I got to see where. Go. It takes a while to scroll through. I'm sorry. Bill, would you like assist for someone else to um, navigate with the screen while no, you're doing I'm, the I'm good. discussion? We're not okay. going to do this that much. Thank you. Um, at the bottom of the worksheet, the administration, again, the resources are in their scenario. We're 3.7 million. Uh, in the scenario I worked out for you, it's 17 million. But the difference there is only that technical adjustment of 15 million in schools, so it's really pretty much the same. But the spending that is proposed in that column is 17,527, leaving you a balance to distribute today of 1,173,000. So 
basically that's saying if you look at what the administration review suggested and what my review of that suggested, my review leaves you, if you adopted it, with a million one hundred seventy three thousand to come back and spend on items that are not addressed uh, or perhaps over in, in capital. And so if there are any questions about how this is set up, I'll pause now and let you ask them. Mr. Eichelberger, so that's one point million to address items uh, that you said are not addressed, but that to get to that uh, number, it also included your taking to zero a recommendation or there, recommendation. There are a couple. Yes. As I said, there are four places where there was a substantive disagreement between what the administration would propose and what I would have you um, take a look at. Okay. And again, none of this, it's important to keep in mind that this is council's budget at this point. Whatever it might be that either other group, whether it's your own staff or the administration staff would propose to you, uh, it's your final disposition as the governing body that, that really matters. So you'll have okay. to make a choice uh, between these three columns, the okay. original amendment amount, the administration proposal, and your staff review. Great, um, let's as, get underway. As we go through this. So what I was asked to do is start at the top and highlight those areas where there is some difference between my review and the administration's review. And anytime we get to any of these, if there is a question about it, the administration can explain their position. And then if mine differs from that, I can explain mine. The very first item uh, on line one, the administration did not address. And that is the $232,000 that was requested for the inspector general. Um, my rationale there is that the inspector general's office uh, was a council initiative and that the expectation should be that if council wants to keep that initiative moving forward, that council should fund it when the um, need arises. So I put in the 232,000 for that. That is the only area under the council agencies where I had a proposal, not so much that differed from the administration, they didn't address it. So I did, they did not. So if there are any questions about these others, the um, Spanish language translation services, the administration Count proposals a little bit different. Yes, Mr. Eichelberger, Councilman Jones has a question. Yes, sir. So, Mr. Eichelberger, are you just assuming that not address means in favor of or how are you? I think not addressing it is 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 a null response. I there's there's no way to interpret a null response. Okay. It's not positive or or negative. It just they didn't address it. Um, they had a slightly different approach from the council amendment on the Spanish language translation services. And if you want more detail on that, I would revert to the original amendment, which was to put the money for support of council. They have a slightly different approach, but the dollar amounts the same. So, so Mr. Eichelberger, on this item, before we go to that one, can we ask the administration? 
to speak to this particular what there is a variance where you're they did not address in your recommendation since there is there anything you want to add Mr. Saunders relative to that item other than that was just not addressed I guess are we I was um, standing up to speak specifically to the Spanish language translation services um, not the prior one okay just, well then we're okay are you not there? if you could no we'll, we're going to go sequentially Okay. Thank you. Well, I don't have anything to add to the Spanish language, uh, to the, excuse me, to the Inspector General. Uh, last Monday, the Inspector General was here. I don't see him here today, so I would have to defer to the patron, Council Member Nye, to explain the rationale for putting that amendment forward. I mean, that it stands as proposed, so unless there is some question. Right. I would say we would proceed. Now, now we're on to the Spanish language. And again, there was just a different approach as to where you would put the money. Uh, again, my proposal would revert back to the way the original amendment was intended, which was, which was to put the money in the, uh, the budget for one of the council agencies, I think the clerk's office, and uh, do the translation services through the clerk's office. And the administration has a slightly different approach, but the dollar amount's the same. And that's what Lincoln was coming up to explain a minute ago. Thank you, uh, Madam President. Um, I think the administration's recommendation was uh, simply that the funding in our Office of Multicultural Affairs, which already provides a lot of uh, translation services, um, in other areas uh, of the city and, and to support um, translation, you know, availability for, for many city services. So we we would recommend that there's better synergy having that as a additional funding available that could meet the council objectives of making sure we had translation services for the, you know, appropriate and relevant meetings. Um, we also just know that we have additional language translation needs that um, as far as like additional languages being available. And so hoping for additional synergy there, um, as Bill said, it's it's I guess, you know, it's council's preference. We would recommend that um, we think the dollars will go further within OMA as opposed to a standalone contract under a council agency. Thank you. And that's just the dollar amount doesn't differ. So at the end of the day, if you just tell uh, us, your staff, uh, how you would like that amendment titled. Uh, do you want it to the Office of Multiculturally Services Affairs? Sure. Or do you want it to uh, the city clerk? The amendment as presented was city council chief of staff's office. Okay. But if you want it city clerk or you want it to the administration's choice of agency, uh, just let me know. We will. I, Councilman I will. Jones, did you have a further comment? Yeah, I don't know if this is the time to make that decision on that or what I would like to follow I think that we can, the critical element here is the allocation and approving it, but, um, and we could come back to that because there are going to be some other areas we'll need to tweak in terms of um, specific, greater specificity about the scope of something, the office of something. I think the school's one that's coming up next is going to be that kind of conversation. So if you want to articulate a preference now, we can go in and record that and still well, well, I would still agree with Mr. Eichelberg and just and even in consulting um, my liaison, 
just keeping it on our side of the, the house and then allowing them to decide the best way to okay. make that happen, especially okay. because it's under the clerk's, uh, it's really under the clerk's wheelhouse. Um, and so I think that would be the best point of departure for something of this nature. So. I'm duly noted and we'll make sure we come back to that for finalization as well. Moving on to the next item, this again um, moves, it, it completes our discussion of that council agencies category, uh, only to note that the, the um, $200,000 for the CCOS is for consulting services. Originally it was put in there as for um, a study but it's really just general consulting services, $200,000. So I want a point of clarification. That's another, uh, we are having a study conducted that's coming to conclusion now. And so part of those funds would be used for the implementation of the recommendations of that study, but there may also be other consultation categories that we uh, will want to utilize. So while it says consultation services, the biggest chunk of that is for implementation of those recommendations. So it's not a study for the sake of a study that we get the recommendations. And then we look at um, once we receive it, any implementation thereof. So that would be another clarifying point. Right. Councilwoman Nye. Um, thank you, Dr. Newbell. Is, is this the same as on the administration's response as, as number eight? the comments say funding will be used collaboratively between council chief of staff and the administration that's the same item yes that okay again there's a cross reference to the line numbers over at the bottom. Oh, okay i really didn't understand their comments because it's specifically related to the internal uh work that we're doing for our council agencies so i don't um I, I think if, if I can help move this along, uh, the only thing that will matter at the end of the day is that there is $200,000 appropriated to the council chief of staff's office for consulting services and the budget will reflect consulting services $200,000. If council has a program that they want to work collaboratively with the administration, they certainly can. If council has a program that they need to go off on their own, they certainly can. $200,000 is just money for council to support consulting services and the degree of collaborative work is up to council and the administration to decide as you move forward. And I just want to reemphasize, right, it will be in the council uh, chief of staff office, but I want to reemphasize a portion of that is looking at the results from that study and any recommendations as well as any other um, uh, cons consultancy we may uh, need, whether that's charter, whether that's, but also then opportunity to look at collaborative uh, efforts with the administration. So it's all of the above. Ms. Dinkelberger. Um, if there are no more questions on the council agencies, I'm going to move briefly to the um, staff, your staff suggestion on Richmond Public Schools. As you recall, the budget is introduced um, has a $15 million contingency for uh, public education back in non-departmental. And what I am suggesting to you is that you take that out of the non-departmental and move it to the education budget 
this is my recommendation is similar to what you did in 2019 for the 1920 Richmond School Board budget. In that in the school board budget ordinance, which is a separate ordinance, it's 2020-058. What you would do is you would appropriate the school board money by category and you're allowed to do the school board budget uh, in a number of discrete categories that are set out in the code of Virginia. But what you did in 2019 is you appropriated to those categories and then you appropriated a contingency of a little over $11 million. And there's a paragraph you add to the ordinance that describes the conditions under which that additional money, in this case, it would be $15 million can be uh, moved to the other categories, but it forbids any spending out of those categories until you do so. The advantage to that is that if you adopt the mayor's budget, 185 million is roughly 2 million less than what you appropriated for the current year. So you're appropriating roughly 2 million less. And the footnote is, oh, by the way, there's a contingency back here for 15 million that we might move over. The suggestion I've got is you move it now. And the footnote is, yes, but you can't spend it until you come back and tell us how. So that's it. If council wants to move forward with that. Um, See no questions at this point, Mr. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, you can proceed. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next category, housing and homelessness. Um, there really are no differences between what the administration review produced and my review of that review. Um, in both cases, the, the recommendations for expenditure uh, total $425,000 for this category. Um, the amounts are proposed to be spent in the same places. And in looking at their write-up, I agree with their rationale for the places where they would not spend the money. So if there are any questions about their rationale, again, I agree with them. But if you wanted on a particular item to hear from them, they're certainly here to answer. Yes, Vice President Robertson. Yes. Um, couple of, couple of uh, comments I'd just like to make as relates to the this section of the budget and the amendments. Um, I I'm. Um, I want to uh, address the amendment, Ms. Trammell's, Ms. Trammell, your amendment as it relates to, and I guess maybe Ms. Jordan. Oh, yes, Ms. Jordan as well. Um, for rehab of the mobile homes. Um, I would like for us to consider whether or not we would put those funds into the Affordable Housing Trust Fund with the message that we definitely want to address. I know that the administration, the staff has been working with the owner of of the uh, park uh, and the homes that are there. And, I, and, and so I want to give you an appreciation for what why I'm why I'm suggesting that. Okay, um, 
the residents that live in those mobile homes deserve to have affordable housing. They deserve to have decent housing. They need to they deserve to have housing that provides the basic needs that any home should provide. Um, A trailer park homes uh, under a different regulation than a housing code and also their their ownership is not by, for the most part, by the residents that live there. Um, Historically, Richmond has, in this last, just in the last uh, numbers that have been given to us, we have over 20,000 African-American families that have been displaced from the city of Richmond because they are, and they were majority renters, um, have been displaced because they don't have a decent place. They don't have decent affordable rental housing in the city for them to live in the city. In addition to that, we both have several um, families that are homeowners that can't fix their roofs, can't fix their porches, can't can't do can't afford to do anything, um, but barely keep their lights on and pay pay their mortgage, and pay their real estate taxes. And those families, as we look at gentrification in the city of Richmond, are also being displaced. Um, and we don't have monies or we don't have policies, we don't have provisions in the city to protect those families that have already been displaced uh, and also those that are subject to be displaced any, any, at any given time. Um, I know that risk is driving this agenda as it relates to this particular community and this particular uh, uh, mobile park. And that is not to suggest by any means that there isn't a need. There is definitely a need. Um, but I don't want to begin to set um, decision making based on an agency that does not spend any money to help develop houses, to fix houses, to fix porches, to they they basically advocate and but for them to tell us which which development is going first is somewhat challenging for me when we have a process that we can and we are addressing this uh, community and the staff is working with that community to try to figure out how do we make the repairs to property that is owned by um, the owner of the park versus the residents that live there. And so all I'm asking is, yes, let's not move the money, uh, but let's put it in a process where we can go through the application, make sure that the tenants are getting the benefits that they need and that this is not an opportunity for the slumlord of of the trailers to benefit directly. Thank you, Vice President. Councilwoman Drammel. Thank you, Madam President. Madam Vice President, um, have you, what um, what mobile home park are you speaking about? The name in front of me right now, Ms. Trammell, uh, I know that it's uh, 
and I maybe the administration can help out with that. But we talked about the name of it the last meeting that we had. I would like, um, I just want to say that I know for over two years, the guy that owns the Rudd's trailer park has been given the runaround over and over and over and over. And I understand, you know, he has asked for grant money, not first, not just to replace the mobile homes in there because they, I guess what he inherited was from when he bought the property. And I was out there saying, you're not going to displace these people. They will not have a home. It's not the best, but they need a roof over their head. And that's the roof right now for them. Um, I appreciate Lincoln calling me and, and trying to help me, but I think that um, he has a lot on his plate, a whole lot, and we all know that. But I don't think that maybe his staff has not really gotten back with him because I know that Dennis, he's had some, his wife has been through a lot of medical problems, breast cancer and all that, and maybe he missed a deadline. But people are not following up with the people that are asking. And I know that because Rick just left two more people in my district trying to help them get on the tax relief that they fully don't understand the forms. And these are ones that have never been on it before. So I understand what you're saying, but I don't understand as far as if you take the money. I don't know who is supposed to be doing it. I don't know who, you know, do they own the trail? Do they own those mobile homes? What what does the because there are some we never hear any issues from in, in my district. We don't never hear any problems that they're having. But so, there's others that it's like they, they can't do the drainage. They can't. They got to have the city help them with the drainage. And if that's if that's if that's because um, the mobile homes get they get flooded. So, Councilman of, Trammell, I'm not can suggesting I just, remove the money. I'm not I'm suggesting different. removing the money. I'm sorry. What? I'm not suggesting that we remove the money. I understand, but you want to put it into the affordable housing trust fund. So that there can be some um, oversight. So the kinds of questions you're asking and who gets it and which ones, all of that, you have an opportunity to have some input into. That's yeah, because all. let me let me say this, Madam President. I'm getting calls now from others that are saying, we've been waiting two, three years. We got nothing. These were, were this other mobile home park. We understand that. They needed to fix up their their mobile homes. But what about us over here that we're being flooded out and we've been asking for two, three years for help and not getting anywhere? We wish you would have put a million dollars. I said, no, ask the ex-governor what happened to that million dollars that he, that another person was promised during an election. What happened to that million dollars? And so, I know, Madam President, I know you, you tried to help to find out what happened or who said it. Why was it said during an election year that the Jefferson Davis was going to get a million dollars? Where in the hell was that money going to go? I haven't seen a penny of it. Okay, so, so I think I'm just saying well, that's the kind of questions I'm being asked now. Sure. And getting being on the on the spot, like how can you do these over here that you don't? Sure. That you never heard anything from, or this one over here you never heard nothing from. But I'm in the middle, and I've been hollering and screaming and being promised, promised, and got nothing but broken promises. Okay, for today. For today, your amendment of $300,000 is what we're looking at keeping in this budget. The only question was whether or not it would be placed 
in the Affordable Housing Trust Fund so you could have some oversight in terms of where those funds. So we're not debating 300,000 not. It is there. It is simply a matter of the where it would be placed so that there can be some due diligence about which trailer uh, homes do we, which all of those, how do we safeguard residents? That's the only difference here. And so all of the other components can be worked out with the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Um, but the, the issue is to really make sure that the amount is here. Well, can we just hold off on that? Because I think they're going to be down here. Some of the members are going to come to speak. Because like I said, when I went to the meeting, I was very upset because the word was out on the street that they were going to close up some of the mobile homes. And th- that was not, that was Mr. Coleman, Donald Coleman assured me they were not going to try to yeah, displace not, those people. That That's not the purview, purview here. Yes. But Okay. okay. But the $300,000 requested is here. I'm sorry, what? The $300,000 requested for rehab uh, mobile homes is in this, is being proposed. Again, the only um, comment was about uh, having it be within the Affordable Housing Trust Fund so that there could be the kind of oversight that you were talking about. Okay. That's it. Mr. Eichelberger. Um, I followed that discussion, but did not um, pick up on any resolution. The three hundred thousand dollars that, oh, that uh, both that's, you and I, the administration—that's I'm, I'm clear on that. Part. Oh, okay. I'm just not clear how we should draft that amendment. Should it be to uh, be placed within the Affordable Housing Trust a, Fund? Is what's on the table right now. Right. I'm I'm unclear as to how to draft because of that. We will come back to you, but that's the recommendation we would consider just like we were talking about with the um, uh, language item, same kind of things will okay. be added. And that is the last thing to be resolved under housing and homeless. Again, the dollar amount's not in question. It's that one issue of which organization would actually receive that $300,000 for rehabilitation of mobile homes. The next uh, block is compensation, and there are two places where I differ from what the amendments are and what the administration has uh, proposed to you. Um, The first item, I'm in agreement with the administration um, that this differential on uh, the the pay differential for foreign language speakers um, should be part of that larger study that they're doing in FY23. The next item, there was a request for $750,000 for um, support of collective bargaining. And in response to that, the administration said that they thought $330,000 um, is a more appropriate number. And my suggestion for you there is zero, which basically reverts back to the budget is introduced. And the rationale for that is that at the moment, there is no collective bargaining proposal to fund. Um, So you don't really know what that money needs to go for. Um, There probably will be a collective bargaining uh, program that you've got to implement, but exactly when you have to implement that is unclear. Exactly what that will entail is unclear. And with that many things being undetermined, I would suggest you wait appropriate money once you know what's needed. Um, And 
Really, it's nothing more complex than that. Thank you, Councilwoman Nye. Thank you, Dr. Newville, and uh, thank you, Bill, for your analysis. But um, I respectfully disagree <laughs> with the zero recommendation. Um, I do think we. my original uh, amendment was 750. I think we could probably bring that down to about 500. Um, but we do need, uh, the city attorney needs some money for outside counsel consulting fees. We need one to two labor relations managers and we need uh, in-house labor relations attorney. Um, and yes, we don't have an approved plan. However, we do have two that were introduced in December. They're coming up on our organizational development meeting a week from today, I believe. And aside from all of the boring, just logistical stuff, it is really, really important to our employees that we show them that this is an important initiative um, and not putting funding in there doesn't guarantee that funding will then get in there for fiscal year 23. Because as we all know, all nine of us, this is our this is our chance to fund things. So we don't get another chance until uh, next April. So I think it 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 not only would it be funding legislation that's pending, um, but it would also really send a message to our employees that I think would be received in a positive light. Thank you, Councilwoman Nye. Can I, and Councilwoman Lambert, I'll come right to you, but I'm just wanting to understand why the, uh, the what the administration recommended was 330,000, why and what that would cover. Councilwoman Lambert, that was your question as well. With the administration, please. Uh, yes. Um, the cross-reference the cross there is line seven of the administration's summary. Right. Uh, thank you, Madam President. Thank you for the question. Uh, we looked at um, various needs from a personnel standpoint, including labor relations management, um, analysts, uh, assistant city attorneys, uh, and also in accounting. However, just knowing the timeline for engaging collective bargaining, there's a fairly long runway, even if council were to make an authorization in May with the um, employee elections, et cetera, et cetera. So we didn't anticipate needing to start with those positions in place until the second and third quarter, varying depending on the position. So that's how we estimated um, roughly, you know, about 180,000 worth of personnel and 150,000 for the third party labor relations administrator, just assuming that that's not all going to start July 1. There's again, there, there's a significant runway baked in even, even both papers of the legislation and how collective bargaining um, works with the authorized bargaining units organizing and having elections of representation. So we just came up with a fairly, what we think is um, even on the side of, of um, under a, an expeditious initiative, it, I'm sorry, I don't think I used right there, even under expedience, this is a reality of when we actually think these personnel would be needed. 
That was my question, Madam Thank Chair, just yeah. similar as to what the administration was going to do, as well as what, how many um, units are we talking? I just wanted to know where we are with that. And so that's still in discussion. So that was kind of my question to that. Thank you. Yes. And those discussions are still because we, you know, the two papers and going to GovOps. And so we're not there yet. Councilwoman Nye. Dr. Newbell, not GovOps, um, OD. I'm sorry. Thank um, you. And I, I did want to say I should have a, a red line version um, with some amendments to share with the rest of council um, sometime later this week. Thank you. And, you know, just to Mr. Saunders' point, I guess I'm looking similarly, we're not standing this up or ready to stand it up July 1. And so that runway we're going to need, even with um, getting to the point of agreement, I'm not sure if where the half million uh, would come in as a number. But we continue with the discussion and come back. We're not having to uh, decision on that one this moment. Councilman Jones. Yes, ma'am, Madam uh, President. If we are done with uh, this particular item, which I believe should be funded uh, at some level uh, in this year's budget, and I know we can we'll a decision on that after. I, I just wanted to go back briefly to uh, item 15, where we talked about uh, uh, differential pay and compensation review was the administration response council staff you that and said zero. I just want, and, I, and I've, I've had conversations with um, uh, with the administration, and so I just wanted to see if there was something they wanted to say towards this. That's on line 25. That's on line 25. Yes, sir. But yes, sir. Mr. Saunders. Um, thank you uh, for the question, Councilman, and uh, opportunity to respond. Uh, in our last budget work session, I spoke briefly to this, just to the the need for us to look at this as part of our overall um, compensation review, and more importantly, that this is something that as we look for implementation, because it is something we have as a shared goal, is, is providing this sort of language um, base, um, you know, compensation adjustment. Um, but needing to do it across departments, because there are many city departments wherein um, Additional language services are both an asset to the department and, and clearly needed, and we need to enhance both our um, recruitment and um, fair compensation for those who take on that responsibility. Um, my request would be to um, hold off on moving forward this amendment now, but uh, my commitment would be that this is something we look at and um, look to actually bring forward to council uh, mid-year rather than simply have rather than having to wait for the next budget. I think that. This is on a fairly um, short list of things that we know we need to come up with a citywide policy on sooner than later. Um, so if, if the council member would um, accept our um, request, but also our commitment that um, this is something we'll be looking to bring back to council um, during the fiscal year, not waiting for the FY24 budget. Yes, Mr. President, I just want to thank uh, the CAO for that. Um, because this is a priority and we should make it a priority to ensure that we're able to um, effectively serve um, any and everyone in the city of Richmond. And 
it's easy. The hot button topic or the hot button language would be, uh, you know, reaching out to our growing Latino community. But again, I'm reminded that there are other uh, language barriers that we need to uh, seek to overcome as well. And so I am in full uh, agreement and support of that direction because understanding is still going to take us some time um, to identify how we do it. There's some questions of um, whether or not it's a bonus, whether or not it's actual pay and how that impacts retirement uh, benefits and things of that nature. And so um, I'm just glad we're going to move towards this comprehensively across the city. I think it's a great thing. Thank you, Councilman Jones. Councilwoman Travel. Thank you, Madam President. Also, um, I agree with Councilman Michael Jones because I know that Southside, especially the 8th and the 9th and a lot of parts of the 6th District, there is a lot of Hispanic, you know, with that it's the um, language barrier. You know, they don't they don't speak English, thank God, for their children because I know it was in the community Friday and Saturday um, in some apartments and it was the children that was speaking to their parents in Spanish trying to know about the meetings that that's coming up, you know, what we're trying to do, you know, to bring community policing back in the area where there's a lot of, where there's some that don't trust the police because they don't fully understand what, you know, the things out there that, that the police can help them with. And right now it's more, it's, it's more right right now we need something to keep you know like for our officers to to keep doing the the programs and the things that they do for the latinos so that they can know that you know that we're there to help not to hurt anybody no matter what color so i i think that that would be great if that would be the pilot program because like i said there's more hispanic in the eighth and ninth and part of the sixth from, you know, the Jefferson Davis corridor. And I know it's others too, but over there, they do not know the English. Thank you, Councilman Trammell. Mr. Eichelberger. Um, yes, ma'am. Uh, for the moment, moving on to the next item, or back to the next item, um, I put a hold and we'll come back to the collective bargaining um, number. Uh, the next one is under compensation Line 17, retiree compensation and benefits adjustment. Um, original proposal was for 1% COLA. That's $6.2 million. Um, the response from the administration was $1,225,000 for not a COLA, but a, a $300 bonus. And my recommendation to you is zero. And the rationale for that is that uh, is multifaceted, actually. Um, your retirement system, uh, your defined benefit retirement system, does not include in its plan uh, any COLAs. And previous councils have been sporadic in providing COLAs. Uh, so, you know, based on the training that I've had is uh, if an employer did not promise something to employees while they were actively employed, then they should not provide that after the employee has left employment. The rationale is that that money should be spent on the employees who are currently providing services to the employer. 
and that that would apply to any local government. It would also apply to a corporate employer. So my recommendation here is zero with the caveat. I think there needs to be a look at the way Richmond approaches its retirement program. If council wishes to provide for COLAs, you should look at a way to do that on a pre-funded basis. Um, you hear all the time from others and from the media that all the other localities that surround Richmond are providing COLAs to their retirees. They are all, without exception, in the Virginia retirement system, and annual COLAs are part of their plan design. They are built into the rate, and they are pre-funded. That is not the case here, and it is a substantial difference. So my recommendation to you is that you forgo the COLA, but you take a deeper look at your retirement program. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Eichelberger. I'd like to have the administration speak to the other option, um, COLA versus other compensation strategies that have been used by um, community local cities. So, thank you, Madam President. And um, so would say, could just, just speak to something Bill mentioned a moment ago, we are actively reviewing our options and opportunities in regards to um, taking a different look at how we approach our retirement system. We are current actively reviewing um, how a stronger connection slash the option of BRS um, could look for the city. Um, we think we're kind of we're on a timeline where we really won't be prepared to kind of discuss the findings of that or, or kind of our initial feedback until early fall. Uh, it is just a very complex issue in um, both DCAO, uh, Joy Hogg, and um, members of the finance administration portfolio are, are all looking closely uh, at this uh, to find a viable uh, runway um, and within various options, right? Whether it's, you know, don't need to outline them now, but new employees, existing employees, current, you know, current even retirees um, would speak to the recommendation in the current moment. One of the reasons administration is not recommending a, a traditional COLA is that it would significantly impact our funded status today, which would make our analysis and this conversation about our BRS options even more challenging in the short term. What we are recommending as a way to, you know, show our appreciation and uh, support our current retirees is a um, what's considered more along the lines of a one-time bonus of $300 per retiree, uh, and that's how we get to the sum of $1.2 million in our recommendation for uh, supporting our existing retirees. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. Um, you said you would be doing due diligence such that in the fall, you is that fall looking at um, transitioning to BRS or looking at other options in terms of the current uh, retiree population as well? I think fall is when we're looking at being able to speak to council as to what the costs and benefits are of, of the various paths. Um, and I use the word costs literally because it is potentially a very expensive proposition for the city. And so we just need to, so not necessarily at the fall being ready to make a recommendation, but to kind of bring council up to speed as to where we are with our analysis. And that would be for, again, for, the, the looking at the future of how we, you know. But not necessarily the past, the current retirees in this not, scenario probably not necessarily i mean i don't think that um i guess i don't want to close any doors or, or necessarily make any commitments we're, we're simply looking at you know the full spectrum of what um collaborating with vrs would look like or transitioning to vrs could look like 
Um, I think many of you know we are, to my knowledge, I believe, the last independent retirement system um, in the state. Uh, Norfolk still has one, but is transitioning into the area. Okay. Handful of others. All right, I was wrong. Um, I've always been under the impression Richmond and Norfolk were kind of the last remaining of the major cities, um, but uh, knowing that Norfolk has begun the transition to VRS in recent years. So all very, very, very important conversation to our ability to recruit and retain um, employees. Um, it's important, I think, as Bill mentioned, you know, the VRS system has a lot of benefits, including included pre-funded COLAs. So lots to look at there. Thank you. But we do uh, support the recommendation that was outlined of um, a bonus for retirees. Um, we did, I think, also look at breaking it up amongst basically income levels. Um, this just does a flat per retiree, doesn't differentiate by income levels, um, but that was another option we looked at. Thank you. Councilman Addison. Thank you. I think you've heard me talk about VRS. Bill and I have worked on the VRS conversation, and I just wanted to see, is there any need to study or fund that? I know there's some conversations in that capacity. Just so wanna make sure I double checked that there's no other needed conversation around that, so. Very much something we consider to be part of our, you know, um, responsibilities and um, something we're prioritizing within our own work and uh, available budgets. I look forward to that follow-up as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just to wrap up the, the conversation with regard to the Virginia retirement system, as Councilmember Addison uh, mentioned, he and I had worked extensively over the last few years with the VRS uh, on, on this issue. But you get to a point finally where the VRS wants to work with the administration because they're the ones that have the data on the cost, the employee counts, those kinds of things. So we got to the point where the VRS said, this is last year sometime, uh, where the VRS said they would prefer to move forward working with the administration. So if they're gonna come back to you in the fall with some cost ideas, um, the only thing I will leave you with is the more people you in include, the more expensive it gets. And if you include current retirees and COLAs, it gets incredibly expensive. Um, BRS will not accept an unfunded liability. Um, they're not allowed to. So making that whole is expensive. Um, the other options range downward from there, um, but they'll come back with you in the fall, I hear. Um, now, on, on this Bill, before issue, you move on, Vice President Robertson. Um, so I appreciate um, your comments, Bill. Um, we've had a challenge with our retirement being an unfunded liability at the present time. I don't know where we are right now, uh, but I think it's important that we look at that as well. That's going to be a condition of that we have to address. If we can oh, I, I'm, I am... I am reasonably confident that the unfunded liability is part of the discussions between the administration and the VRS. They are they are very, very particular about that issue. Just to give a number to it, I believe we are at a 71.8% funded status. Which I'm is, sorry. Uh, we are at a 71.8% funded status with our retirement system, which is the highest it's been um, in quite some time. Thank you. So, I have a, a suggestion for you on this, um, and that is that 
we get through the rest of this worksheet, at which point there's very, for the remainder of the worksheet, there's very little difference between what the administration put forward and what I put forward. Then you come back and you decide on these last two things. How much do you want to put in uh, for collective bargaining, that placeholder right. for future costs? And then the residual can go to a, a one-time bonus for retirees. Uh, the idea of doing it by income level is intriguing. It's not something that, that I've heard anything about previously. But I think we could work a number okay. up fairly quickly that you could do some kind of a bonus there. It would not be $300, but um, it would be some lesser amount than that. But we can we can work that out. So I'm going to go through the rest of it, and then we'll come back to those two issues, if that's okay with you folks. Absolutely. That was the plan. Okay. So skipping on down into governmental services, there are no differences between what the administration would propose and my review of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through and read them quickly. If you stop and you want an explanation of what the administration proposal is, we can do that. Um, and in all cases, I agree with their assessment. So that should go fairly quickly. The first one uh, was for uh, a land value tax study. And the comment there is that data analysis can be done by budget and finance. And so there's no need for any money right at this point in time. If there's any need for further discussion, we can defer to the administration to explain what it is they're doing in this regard. Um, hearing none, moving on to the next. There were yes, one second. Councilman Addison. Thanks, um, Council President. So for me, this is more of a bringing legitimacy to the analysis from experts that have done this in other localities. Um, so my proposal included that connection with uh, the Center for Property Tax Reform um, that's helped other cities navigate this exact piece. And it was more around not just the study of its worth or value, but it was also more about the public conversation and explanation uh, to allow for more understanding of what this potential proposal could look like, meaning um, through analysis engagement in the community, sharing a website that would show you if you put in your home address what your current taxes look like versus what a conservative land value tax could look like versus an aggressive or other variables of that capacity. So allowing people to more engage with it. it's not just a study for up or down. It's more around the, the engagement around what it exactly means. Um, this has a lot of, I think, potential uh, impact of huge ramifications for our growth but also showing us opportunities to grow as a city. So for me, it was more around bringing that resource to the table in support of that. So that's what my um, proposal for the $80,000 included. And so I'm, I have also, at the example from Ms. Robertson, reached out to HOME to have a conversation about their interest and ability to support. We have the Richmond Realtors supporting the initiative as well. This is about adding to our ability to deliver that type of engagement and more importantly, com public conversation around what this could look like and mean in their wallets. And that's the thing is I'm trying to find this as a way to uh, explore a tax reform, which is very complicated. Not that we can't handle that ourselves. It's more about the things that go with that. That was part of this proposal. Thank you. Thank you. Vice President Robertson. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, thank you, uh, Ms. Addison, for your comments as well. Um, 
And the reason why it's important that we engage home and that we provide some funding here um, that is sufficient. Um, like I said a few moments ago, um, roughly 20,000 African-American families have been displaced from Richmond because of devaluation of their of property that is owned by African-Americans, not only in the city, this is a national crisis. And home is in the best position to help us to make sure that we, as we talk equity in the city, and almost every department now, titles, or directors and so forth, have equity attached to it, that we be real about this, um, and that we, we change policies in, in this city that allows for property to be African Americans properties to be devalued and also uh, those policies and those practices contribute to the massive displacement and we talk about gentrification but we don't talk about the displacement that has taken place as a part of that and um, I we passed this council passed a paper that said racism is a health issue and it's not health like don't take me to the hospital, is economic health of the city. And we can't continue to allow our incentive packages, our investment packages to be beneficial to the investor, but not to the homeowner, and not to the families that have been disenfranchised and disinvestment have been made. And so... The city administration is not going to do this work um, without some independent organization that knows how to do this work and do it right. I'll give you an example. I recently had an assessment done in my home. I'm African-American female. My husband is a black male. Um, properties have been going up in my neighborhood roughly to $400,000, $450,000. And the industry pushes it. And they make it public what they're trying to do. We had an appraisal done of our home. And our appraisal came back at $250,000. A white family across the street that has less square footage than we have um, comes in at four hundred. That's happening everywhere. And if we don't put money into this initiative, the next time we talk about displacement in the city of Richmond, it's still going to be people of color, not just African-Americans, but people of color, but certainly African-Americans always at a much higher percentage than anyone else. And I'm just saying, you know, let's be real, guys. We can't talk equity every day. We found money. We found a way to put this, put together a dedicated source of money for affordable housing. We are going to substitute that with a one-time federal dollars by affordable housing trust fund and put off the general funds for a couple of years for that reason. Um, I understand what the challenge that we are dealing with. There's not enough money in the city to to deal with our history of what we have done in destroying neighborhoods, Blackwell, 
Randolph, Alton, where we just ran highways through and displaced people. We still running devaluing of black properties through the city till we are ready to do something differently. And I know the realtors know it, know it from experience. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate the fact that, you know, this is not a lot of money, Mr. Addison, that we are asking for. Um, but it is, it is a necessity if we want to correct inclusionary housing, inclusionary zoning in this city, that we have to do these kinds of things. We've got to document this stuff and we got to put policy in place to change it. So, Madam uh, Chair, um, I, would, I would just hope that we can at least put enough incentive money in place to get us started. Thank you, Vice President. Just a question for you, Mr. Addison. Do you are these numbers based on some quotes that you received? Is it exactly two ten between the two of this? I mean, do you have how did you arrive at these numbers? I have a proposal from them that I okay. can share with you that was given to me. To the mm -hmm. gotcha. Thank you. Well, my question is what's council's pleasure on these two related items? Well, I think we were going on and coming back. I think it's clear just at least from the initial discussion, a desire to have some dollars earmarked here. Right. Um, and just as in the other categories we're uh, coming back to okay. in the other domains. Um, what I'm going to try to do is, is get through the remainder um, reasonably quickly so we can come back and have time uh, remaining for actual decision making on these dollar amounts and the location in the budget for the allocation of the monies. Um, my concern is that discussing them and then coming back later to discuss them again uh, is going to consume more time than council has remaining. So um, I'll just try to get through the remainder fairly quickly and then we can come back uh, and start making some decisions. Um, GRTC funding, there was a request for a million dollars. And my understanding now is that there's been a funding stream um, identified. Uh, I'm not privy to the details. It differs from the future decision that is noted, but I don't know. I wasn't involved in the discussions with GRTC and their board, so I can't speak to that. So I would defer to someone else on that one. Sure, Mr. Saunders is coming forward. Um, thank you, Madam President. And happy to answer any kind of specific questions about this. The um, the, the fact of the matter is we, we know that there are essentially a number of sources within GRTC's existing budget, uh, as well as within the city's allocation to GRTC, that can and should be utilized to maintain our commitment to fair freight. Um, uh, reduced service as well as in operational savings in the current fiscal year, the city is increasing its allocation to GRTC by nearly $700,000 in the proposed budget. Um, there is, I think, roughly $9 million in CARES funding and $7 million from the CBTA unplanned for expenditure in the next year. GRTC has significant funding, and we will need to work with the board to make sure the fare free is prioritized. Um, but this isn't an uh, uh, available dollars question for the transit company. Thank you. And I'll come to you, Ms. Addison, in one second. My 
brief conversation with the chair of the GRTC board was their interest in certainly providing, he felt um, pretty confident, providing those funds for this pilot year, which would allow them just this year to assess and determine what beyond this period was the impression from the discussion I had with him. Councilman Addison, and then I'll come back. Uh, thank you, Council President. And from my conversations, I definitely echo what's been shared. I think the commitment uh, from this body of support for Fair Free was the goal. We wanted to make sure that there was no doubt about our need of continuing this program, especially with the pilot moving on for the next couple of years. And from my conversations, that I'm sure you talk to the same people, um, but I'd like to just make sure we're clear on it's not just about this year. It's about how this program continues for the duration moving forward in the region. I think that is going to be one of the key steps of conversation is there is going to be a need for a collaborative discussion, uh, whether it be through a P, uh, plan RVA or a CBTA or other or both of a discussion around what this commitment looks like, not just for this year, but for the foreseeable future, because that is something that I think many advocates feel that they don't see that concrete answer in the budget. And that's what they're advocating for, which is why I submitted this. And so for me, I just want to make sure, along with my peers on council, that this will be a program that happens and will continue through the funding available. And that commitment is eight. However, we're able to prove that is all that I need. And that's what I wanted to make sure was clearly stated. Thank you, Mr. Addison. I want to say I'm unequivocally committed to ensuring that we continue to have fare free for the primary users of our GRTC system. And based on the discussion for this pilot year that conveyed what seemed to be a commitment there, but to Ms. Addison's point, then to talk about cross jurisdictions, how we continue beyond this year will be critical. I, I would strongly recommend this be a conversation we have sooner than later with the GRTC board members, myself now you know, included amongst that, um, Councilman, whether it be in the Land Use Housing and Transportation Committee or otherwise, because how we get to um, fare free, not just in the pilot period, but beyond, has to be a conversation with our regional um, partners with, with transit, um, or else we're dealing with a very short runway. I agree. Councilman Jones. Yes, Madam President. I, I think a million dollars is a very large delta. Um, and for me, where, where I sit, it's kind of like we're, we're, we're stuck in the middle. I am. I began talking to GRTC about fare free back in 2018, 2019, um, long before this, this you know, the, the pandemic and it actually coming to reality. Um, my thing is get us out of the middle of it because we're going to fund it. Uh, I, whatever that delta is. No matter what year that I'm on council, I'm going to ensure that fair free uh, riding takes place in Richmond in this area. And I would really challenge the administration and GRTC to sit down and deliver on a number. Because, again, a million dollars is, is a large delta. It, it just is. Some, someone's missing. <laughs> someone's missing. Um, <laughs> someone's missing the mark by a significant number. And so I, I think GRTC, uh, the administration, they've got to sit down and and not just, you know, not just GRT saying, well, we don't have it. Well, it, it's 
we we need we need to see we need to see because I have other issues of frequency of individuals you know just it not taking an hour and a half from Southside Richmond to get the other part. I, I talked to uh, someone that they they employ about 120 people on Southside, and they're looking to possibly double that, but they have an issue with getting their folk to work. And they asked that their general manager asked, "Well, could GRTC expand?" You know, their, their time in which they ran, you know, midnight, one o'clock, whatever. And I said, yeah, if you got a few million dollars, but GRTC at some point in time, we've got to sit down and figure this out. We've got to get people to work. And we, we, again, everyone talks about being multimodal. Everyone talks about all these different things, but you know, speed, high speed rail, BRT, all those fun things. But if on the South side, I can't get folk to work who live on over by VCU to South Richmond, to this one particular location, it's not helping us. And we, and again, this is not just one isolated incident. I'm hearing this in the business community all over that people are getting written up because they can't get to work on time. And there, no one should have to show justification of, Hey, I, I called, you know, for Uber at this time and they showed up late or I was waiting for the bus or the bus doesn't run at this time. Individuals who are struggling to make it right now and they want to work. But we can't get them to work. I believe that's on our partners to sit down and, and figure out how to make this work. And if that means GRTC coming before us and figuring that out, um, we got to do this because I will hold to this. A million dollars is a huge delta. Someone has missed. If they came back and said it was two, three hundred thousand. Okay. I may be able to live with that, but a million dollars, I, I, but chicken. Yeah. If I, I get my guy, I would say show me. And just to add to Mr. Jones before Mr. Saunders, it's it's GRTC, it's CVTA that we have um, opportunity. It's the TPO, a plan RVA, in addition to state funds, too. So there are two issues. One is the fare free and then the other, the routes and the frequency of the routes. And that work needs to be done and speaks to the issue that you're raising. And it's both. And so I absolutely agree with you. Mr. Saunders. Cool. Just a couple of points I want to add. I think this is where when administration put forward its, its budget, we are, would not recommend you divert a million dollars from the other priorities we're discussing today to GRTC, knowing those, those sources that I outlined that are, you know, whether it's CVTA funding or the city subsidy in the current year and in the prior year, that is not being fully deployed for service given the reductions in, in service available today due to a you know a a driver shortage that's very real right it's not to put blame on anywhere but it is impacting how much service grtc is able to put on the road for residents but even though cbta funds are coming a significant portion of which from richmond taxpayers right so um and fair free to the degree that it's supporting our transit system is supporting the entire system that includes the routes in henrico and chesterfield um as well and so in simply trying to be responsible for Richmond taxpayers' commitments to transit and to fare free, what we're recommending is is simply strongly suggesting that GRTC look to fund this. I mean, we also are, are looking at other issues in regards to 
Um, the route that continued into Chesterfield was previously funded with over a million dollars in in funding um, from a grant to Chesterfield to then transfer to GRTC. The Chesterfield commitment now to that route is roughly around 200,000, and that's their only contribution to the transit company out of their, their general fund. We have a lot of issues to work through as to what our regional priorities are for funding transit service, including route expansion frequency, as well as fare free. Um, I would simply recommend that I think that over the next year, the board is going to have to come around that, that regional vision for transit and how to utilize the uh, enhancement in funding from, um, you know, GRTC is in the current fiscal year collecting $28 million of CBTA funding. They only plan to utilize 21 million of that in their operations for next year. I mean, $7 million is, is in reserve for what they hope will be a regional plan. That regional plan is going to need to take into account um, bare free, be it for specific to Richmond, right, or to the region. We have not had an opportunity to have that conversation as a board. That's what I think we're going to need to focus on over the next several months. And to your point, I think having that dialogue with the Richmond representatives as well as GRTC leadership and the broader GRTC board will be needed over the next several months. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. Mr. Eichelberger, I am going to press you so that we can try to get, I know we're, I get it, we're going to do better, but I want to press us so we can get through the list that we have here and then we can, we have to come back and start decisioning today. Um, yes, ma'am. The next item is $500,000 to expand Richmond Public Library service hours to 9 p.m. That's $500,000. The administration comments are that they have restored the previous service levels in the budget as introduced. And that being the case, I have agreed with them that uh, no more money be provided at this point in time. Uh, so um, if there's any question for me about that, um, hearing none, oh, here's all several. Uh, just one, um, so Councilwoman Nye and Councilwoman Jordan. Just quickly, and it's not really for you, but if we could get from the administration, um, what, what libraries are funded for the extended hours? Is it reinstated to all? I, I mean, I specifically would like to know about Westover, but I assume other council members would like to know if their libraries are also. Do you have funded. a list that you can just provide to us? Um, I'm looking to the, the budget team for more specifics. We looked in this budget to restore the funds from the pre-COVID cuts for libraries. Um, the reductions that were made in, I want to say 2020. So a lot of it is going towards programming and operations, not not to specific extended hours. Um, we believe that to do extended hours is actually a much larger financial commitment, um, okay. something we want to look at and, and hopefully bring in, you know, the, the months and years ahead. But um, I want to say, you know, extending library hours is is a multi-million dollar commitment. We've looked to restore a lot of their operational funds that were cut uh, in the 2020 budget. Thank you. Councilwoman so Jordan. No extended hours are. No, no extended hours are included in the, in the proposed budget. We are looking to, to maintain hours as well as programs and restore programs and operations. Um, you know, we had looked at various, you know, requests about specific libraries. We don't necessarily 
wouldn't recommend that we extend library hours in part of the city and not in others. It's something we would need to look to do more holistically. But again, I think that's in the several million, not hundreds of thousands. Okay. I I would ultimately like to see what that looks like. It doesn't it doesn't have to be today. Yeah, I would I would love to work with council to whether it's to the appropriate committee um, and just talk through what uh, a the current funding, how that will help to restore some of the prior um, cuts, as well as um, kind of model what extended hours um, looks like, what the needs are for that. Again, given the fact that we have to hit minimum staffing for a library, two or three employees for a library, depending on size, um, it's not a small it's not a small question. And then how do you stage those hours, et cetera? So it's, it's I think it's absolutely a worthwhile goal, just like extending rec center hours, et cetera, is very much something, you know, we want to look at over the next um, into the future. Thank you. Um, Councilwoman Jordan and then Councilman Jones. Thank you. Yeah, I was just going to clarify that Oops, the okay. increase from last time was not for extended hours, but perhaps a compromise we could pursue would be at least one night a week, you know that your library is going to have extended hours. And maybe if we cannot afford extended hours across the portfolio of branches, at least you know there's one night a week that your library is open late. And that's the opportunity yeah. for discussion. So I want to come to Mr. Jones, Councilman Jones. Yes, ma'am. And, and this is just in our communication with the board that this funding includes expanding hours until 8 p.m. Am I understanding that correct or no? What, what was that communication, council member? From the board. Of the library? From the library board. We're not making this up. That the funding includes uh, expanding hours until 8 p.m. I'd have to look at what, what that communication was. I do remember, you know, know the board was advocating or recommending that we look at. Again, I think that was in the, um, with that larger budget request or larger impact, budgetary impact of um, several million to do the extended hours. Um, I would, again, go back to the comments previously. Uh, again, not, not having the library director here to speak to the feasibility of it, but something we can talk through with council is, you know, do we in some ways diversify the hours where a few days a week you open later and 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 stay, and stay open later um, so that the, the staffing impact um, there. But. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Just I, I, I would I would um, I don't know how soon you could have that conversation with them because, Madam President, this is something I'm that if it does not allow for that. Uh, if their funding currently will not allow for extended hours, I'm I'm going to carry this. I'm going to carry this back to council to our colleagues and say this is something that's necessary. That's, there, yeah. there are a few things that I hear emphatically throughout my district. This is one of them having the extended hours. They're like, it doesn't make, it's not feasible for them to just close at six o'clock PM because there's still other needs. One, they're also looking to how can we extend to, you know, extend to sometime on Sunday? Because again, you have people that work and, um, just, just making it possible. Cause I believe at one point in time, pre pandemic, we were open on Sundays, I believe. Um, and, individuals were using those and so um this this particular library services the eighth and the ninth right there and it is heavily used so and, and again i'm not i don't want this to be a a you know this is not a butting of heads versus yeah. just an understanding of 
how the board, the library board sees their funding and how the administration sees their funding, because I'm simply responding off of the communicate from those two entities and then bringing forth the desire and concerns and needs of, of our district. Thank you, Councilman Jones. Um, and I think you're suggesting Mr. Saunders conversation because scheduling and I think what I heard from Ms. Jordan, how the scheduling might accommodate the desire for whether it's Sunday or later evening. I, I'm not sure if that's what I was hearing, but at least a discussion with the library so that we can get greater clarity. I think we can certainly do that and provide first. Um, we'll get a, a write up to council with greater clarity on how the Proposed increases will be utilized. Um, Jason did clarify for, for me that um, it does sound like it will restore some, but not all of the hours that were that were reduced, um, and and only for some libraries. So we need to get uh, let me get that right up to council with Thank greater you. specificity. Um, but again, I just I would just to to remind council something not not on the discussion for today, but when the you know when you're going through the budget and trying to figure out how to you know, you know, direct resources. Um, a couple of things that were prioritized included the investment to um, allow Parks and Rec to stand up the additional after-school programs to make up for the fact that RPS was moving away from extended day. That was prioritized as well as um, the funding within the Office of Community Wealth Building to continue the work after that, the state grant. So roughly two million. So it, it, it's part of. The, I think it's it's one of those needs that we we share and and just looking to make sure we have. Um, the alignment for the prioritization. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Jordan, did you have something additional? Yeah, I'm sorry. I just had a clarifying question to my colleague, um, Councilmember Jones. Are you saying your half a million was based on conversations with their board that it would be able to extend to eight? Initially, that was the number we were going to use to get to the eight, eight, nine o'clock. But their understanding is they're fine with their funding where it is to extend hours mm -hmm. and that the 500,000 would be great because they would be able to put that 500,000 to the programming and potentially uh, uh, looking at Sunday hours. And so as long as we're extending hours currently, I'm fine. But if not, then, you know, I'd like to look at and explore options but to get those extended hours. So. Thank you. Thank and you. so, Mr. Saunders, you will have get follow-up information to be able to be responsive to the questions, not in this moment. Yes. I think I heard the councilman's question for clarification. I think we can get that feedback okay. quickly. Thank you. Mr. Eichelberger. Um, moving on to the next item, there was a request for an additional FTE for the Office of Sustainability. That would be $75,000. Um, the administration response is on line 21 of their worksheet, and it indicates that the budget as proposed already includes four FTEs, and I believe it's $80,000 for support costs. Um, moving on to the next, which are a pair of items that are related both for the Department of Public Works um, to add an urban forester position and an additional arborist. Uh, one of those was for 150 and the other for $200,000. The administration has proposed the 150 um, and that is reflected in my review as well. 
The next item, additional maintenance worker FTE to support graffiti abatement, $75,000. Um, the indication there is that that money is available under ARPA. Uh, the next item uh, is Department of Public Works again, uh, Brooklyn Park Boulevard North Avenue study. Um, the request was for $100,000. The administration has uh, agreed with the $100,000 and I would agree with them for the $100,000. Um, moving on to go to the next page. Hold on. Uh, the next item is again for planning and development review. Uh, Chamber Brook small area plan, $100,000. Uh, the indication there is that these uh, studies are already included, can be included within the funding in the budget. So I would agree that no additional money is necessary if they can already be funded in the existing budget. The next item for public works, uh, Vision Zero speed treatments, including trash cans, uh, $250,000. Um, I am in complete agreement that that is a CIP, a capital program, and it's covered by Complete Streets. Um, which is an umbrella project that you guys uh, approved, I believe last year, uh, to consolidate all these individual projects into one larger umbrella project. Uh, the next one for parks is playgrounds, review, Riverview and Grayland tot lot, $450,000. Uh, there's an indication here about the master plan. That is on line 24 of the administration's uh, proposals. Um, the indication there, uh, again, the parks master plan is in the final stages of development, so no additional money is recommended for that at this point. The next item is the Richmond Ambulance Authority. The original request was $3.5 million. After the meeting that you folks had with the Ambulance Authority Board uh, and the administration, and I believe it was subsequent to that meeting, uh, there was an understanding that $571,000 could be budgeted for debt service, which would allow for the purchase of uh, the ambulance equipment uh, over time. And I think from what I've heard, everybody is on board with that. So That's correct. I just need to with know, Mr. get Decker. A approval from you folks. Yes. Um, Mr. Eichelberger, before you go on, Ms. Lambert, is your question related to this item or something before? Something before um, my amendment number 25. Um, I just want to get clarification. Um, you said it was in budget. If someone from the administration can just let me know what's happening with that, just so I can be clear with my constituents. Thank you. Good afternoon. Jason May, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Forgive me. Um, we've confirmed that uh, the planning development and re review is moving forward with a zoning update. Okay. We've also moved forward with a couple of the extra additional planners and PMCE. The thought is, is that if Mr. Mr. Uh, if the planning director doesn't have to spend as much time on special use permits and on some of the things that they're working on now, that frees up time for them to be able to work on some of these small area plans. We have a couple of small area plans in the amendments. That's where the, the planning director plans to put his focus for next year. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. that. And Mr. Saunders, you were going to speak to the RAA item. 
Um, thank you, Madam President. And just want to thank the, also the, the DCEO as well as the directors of finance and budget for helping identify um, this, you know, I think positive step forward in, in addressing some of the capital needs that were underlying the um, subsidy request from the ambulance authority. Um, I believe essentially, I, I think the actual estimated cost for ambulance um, is lower than what we had um, sketched out. And so uh, this will enable the ambulance authority to essentially um, currently $2 million of planned expenditures in the current fiscal year on ambulances will shift to the city's um, debt service payment, as well as I believe an ability to purchase an additional um, seven uh, total vehicles in the next fiscal year for I think a total of 14 um, for the authority. Again, um, still believe that much more conversations uh, need to take place in regards to um, the third party review and making sure that we've looked at both the the model collections, et cetera, um, points that were raised in the work session last week and um, believe, you know, additionally recommended by the um, Mr. Bob and his in his follow up questions. Um, hope that this is, you know, at least a positive step forward for um, the current time period while we do the assessment. And, um, you know, again, I think looking at uh, the decoupling of capital from op operations. Um, as many of you know, the city already has a lot of responsibility for capital within the ambulance authority. Uh, and this would be, you know, another, at least at this time, one time way to, you know, relieve pressure from the authority's budget, uh, but also do it in a way that's uh, affordable for the administration. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. And would look to have an MOU that would capture the um, items that Mr. Bob's uh, discussed with Mr. Decker and with the administration uh, that goes along with this um, proposal. Thank you. Um, one, excuse me, one final point of clarification on that. If council's in agreement with the amount of the money, 571, I want to be clear, it would not go to the ambulance authority. It would be budgeted to debt service because it's paid by the city. So, um, there is that that one small difference. Moving on to the next item, uh, $50,000 for the soil and water conservation district startup cost. Um, the administration recommended that that be deferred till 2024. And um, I had no disagreement with that recommendation from them. Um, moving on to the next item, which is <clears throat> non-departmental tax relief for the elderly and disabled. The request was for $500,000. Um, the administration's response was 73,750. And you can find the explanation to that on line number 30, line number 36 of their worksheet, um, which is on the page four. Um, Bill, oh, if there, if there yeah. are no questions. On no, that. I don't have any at this point. Um, then uh, Commonwealth Community Wealth Building, the Maggie Walker Board member stipends, 9,000 9, requested, 9,000 9, proposed from the administration. And I would agree with the 
$5,000. That's simply $50 per meeting, 15 board members, uh, one meeting a month, and just multiply that out and get $9,000. Um, the total okay. there is $903,750 for um, both the administration and the mine. Moving okay. On, Before on. you leave that um, domain, um, there was a um, conversation and request by Ms. Nye to consider um, the 50000 Ms. Davis. And uh, so you would put a pen in for soil and water conservation district startup costs. There was a, and we'll, that'll be one that we would come back to. Okay. So soil and water conservation. Let me find that one again. Number 29. It is 29 on our sheet. Right. Okay. Okay, next category. Okay, the next category, there are two items for human services. The first one, $500,000 for gun violence prevention. Uh, the administration response is rather lengthy. You can find it on line 13 of their uh, response. Uh, the essence is that it's funded in a number of places, uh, not just one spot in the uh, proposed budget. Well, if there is a need to discuss that at length, certainly the administration could do that. But I think the, yeah. it's all laid out for you where that money is in the existing budget. Okay. Um, the next item, line 34, Office of Aging Persons with Disabilities, one FTE for $75,000 and assistance funds for $75,000 uh, for a total of 150. The administration response suggested $75,000, and you can find that on line 20 of their response. The bottom line there is, again, you can have them come and speak to this, but um, it's funding for the second position. So they would recommend the, the second position, but they did not recommend the $75,000 for uh, additional assistance. So. So it would be a second position in that office. Right. Is what it we're is saying. FTE, but not the additional money for assistance. Okay. Yes, Councilwoman Trammell. I fully don't understand. Are you saying only one? Like that would be two positions. Two positions. Total of two. One new one. I'm sorry, what? One new one. But if you want some detail, again, I have to defer to their response. If the administration could speak to it, but it would, what's being recommended here is a, a, a new position, an additional. So in addition to Ms. Jones, there'd be another position. And we already have something earmarked in the budget that's not been filled. Is that correct? I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Okay, question. so this is the item pertaining to mm -hmm. 34 Human Service Office of Aging and Person with Disabilities. And what the request was, was 150. The recommendation is 75 for one position. So we're get, trying to clarification regarding um, any other positions in terms of assistance in that office, I think is the question. Um, I guess, I, I don't know if I had great clarity in the distinction with the um, additional 75,000 for services. I, I mean, I think the administration's recommendation was at least in part working within the, the, the balance of the funding we had available, um, certainly support additional staff and capacity within um, our office, um, aging disability. We were just, I think, 
So I don't know that we would oppose additional funding, but it wasn't one of our recommendations as we look to make a balance with all the other requests. Right. There was a recommendation for half of that amount that's there. Um, I do think additional staffing will help us as we're, we're working yes. to expand outreach and communications. Again, either we'd be looking for greater clarity as what the council member's intent was with the um, additional uh, operational funding, but um, certainly support additional staff capacity in that area. Sure. Just one moment, Councilwoman Lambert, additional relative to that item. Yes. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, although I'm in total support of this amendment, um, but I do want to make sure that there are two positions funded. Um, so we want to make sure they get all the staff they need over there. It's just a one-woman show. So <laughs> definitely I'm in support of any additional staff that they need and let's right. get the money for it. Yep. Thank you. I w if I could just clarify that, I, th I do think it's a one council to, to note and be aware that um, the way we've structured within human services is um, it's more of in a matrix style where we do have point leads on many of these areas, but greater support for their work across, you know, the, the, the full complement of staff within the human services portfolio. I could talk a little bit about that matrix org style and how that's helping to support the broader uh, work. But again, I think this is a, a question of, um, you know, working within limited resources, but definitely support expanding the capacity of that office. Thank you. Mr. Eichelberger. Um, Madam President, that conclude, concludes the human services, and now we're into the other category. And most of these are, not most, all of these are additional monies for non-departmental, and the majority are recommended for approval at, at uh, some level. So I'm going to run through them real quickly, but unless there's a, an issue, I, I'm not going to pause for discussion. Uh, the first Neighborhood Resources Center, Inc., Fulton, 40,000 requested, 40,000 recommended. Richmond Community of Caring, 40,000 requested, 40,000 recommended. Virginia League for Safety, Safer Streets, um, additional 25,000. That brings them up to 50,000. Uh, Girls for Change, Camp Diva. Um, 15,000, that brings them up to 30. The Enrichment Foundation, 50,000 requested, 50,000 recommended. Um, youth Violence Prevention and Intervention, 50,000 requested. The Administration Response, which can be found on line 43 of their uh, response, um, is that it's already budgeted in, in multiple locations in the city budget. The Metropolitan Business League of Richmond, um, an additional 25,000 would bring that to a total of 100,000. The next item, Venture Richmond for cleaning space match, for cleaning space matching funds for Manchester, requested was 300,000. The recommendation is for 200,000. A reserve for gun violence prevention initiative, 200,000 requested. And again, there's a rather lengthy explanation about uh, the multiple places that that's already included in the proposed budget, so no additional funding is recommended. Uh, the next item, the literacy lab, 26,250 requested and 26,250 recommended. The next item uh, was not included in the administration's response. Uh, storefront for community design for participatory budgeting, 150,000 requested. As I said, it wasn't recommended 
my suggestion was the full 150, but I understand there might be a different number, but I have to defer to Mr. Anders um, Addison for that. Thank you. Councilman Jones and then Councilwoman Lambert. Uh, yes, ma'am, Madam President, thank you. Just a quick question. Uh, I'm a full supporter of uh, Venture Richmond and what they do for downtown. Are we extending downtown into Manchester? Because if so, let's just keep going down Hall Street, uh, add a few hundred more thousand in there, and let's clean up all of Hall Street. Um, and so my question is, where does it stop? Vice President Robertson. Mr. Jones, um, and Ms. Lucy Mead is here as well. Um, it does include the Hall Street um, business quarter. Um, this is a matching fund based, is an increase in tax uh, by, for business owners for the purpose of the city uh, doing a match for it. And it does include Hall. Um, but it does not go past the present time. It doesn't go past. Um, is that Jefferson Davis? Is that right one or? Making a, a, a point of. Is extending past downtown, which is basically. Yes, it's Richmond. for Manchester and right. Hall Street is included as part. And, and so so if the business owners, business owners in Manchester want to pay a special tax, whatever, that's fine. I don't again, we're going to put two hundred thousand dollars towards that and match that to ensure that this part of the city. Um, is taken care of. And all I'm saying is, can we do that? down the rest of Hall Street to Chippenham Parkway. And I'm just making a, I'm, I'm making light of the fact that if you do it in this area, what's next? Is Carytown next? Is Scott's Edition next? And and they, because I believe at, at one point in time, Carry, folk in Carytown asked for something. And I know Ms. Lynch is in here, and I know we dismissed that. And so, again, where does this end? Where does this end? And I, I'm all for it because I, I, I mean, clean and safe neighborhoods. I believe in that. So all I'm saying is this: bring it down to Hall Street, bring it down to the Ninth District and the Eighth District, and all these different areas. That, that, that's all. They lying. That's not true. I don't want to give you the wrong impression on that. It does. It does include Hall Street. But it also is necessary that the tax base be to a certain level in order to generate enough revenue from that one cent increase to carry out what we are talking about carrying out. Okay. Based on the number of businesses. Any additional comment, Mr. Saunders? Would we'll just say that I think that there's um, maybe be jumping in for uh, I hope to be helpful, but um, that, you know, th this is part of a commit. I, I will say this conversation has been around since pre-pandemic. Um, we've been in conversations with Venture Richmond about the expansion of cleaning and safe to Manchester as part of the match from the local business owners, et cetera, uh, to this. Um, I think that's it's similar to what was done downtown. It's also similar to the direction we'd like to go in more quarters of the city, whether it be Carytown or otherwise, where there is uh, essentially the equivalent of a business improvement district with contributions from the property owners as well as 
um, either, you know, a match from the city or at least, you know, some support as we, we currently do for clean and safe um, to be available. And so, um, again, this is part of a conversation that I think started several years ago uh, to make this expansion possible. And um, I believe, you know, I, I know for fact the mayor would be interested in this conversation taking place in more of our business quarters in the city that, that really do need enhanced services, um, enhanced cleaning and uh, trash collection, et cetera, in order to serve their population in a way that is simply over and above what DPW can provide that's, you know, citywide. And, and, and thank you. And, and, and again, we, I'm just, we hear you. And, and again, it's just the issue of, and, and, and hi, um, it, again, it's the issue of we have, we have litter all throughout my district, all throughout the city, all throughout the South side. And as Manchester's part of South side, that's good. But again, as we talk about equity, what are we doing for our other neighborhoods? And, and, that I'll double down on. I want to, I want, I want a clean city. I mean, if we could look like Salt Lake, Salt Lake is probably one of the cleanest cities I've ever been to. Um, but again, I see these strides being made for certain areas and I guarantee you the next area is not going to be an area on the south side, deep south side. It's going to be a Scots edition. It'll be a carry town while Old Street at, you know, Old Street at, you know, Orcutt or at Warwick Road or, you know, all throughout there. And again, I know my Good. colleague just showed me a, a, some wonderful corners in the 8th District that, okay, we'll, we'll ensure that one part of our city looks a particular way. But so, then what about the rest? Yes. And that, 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 that's my point. That, my point isn't, oh, this is terrible. My point is, equity demands and would suggest we look at other areas as well. Thank you, Mr. Jones. And I think that we would all agree with that sentiment. Absolutely. I'm just hoping that yes. can bring that tabernacle choir to come raise money for us. Okay. That's really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank, thank you. Councilwoman Lambert. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. I just wanted clarification on that item, and um, Councilman Robertson already clarified that for me. Thank you. Um, but my other question is for Enrichment, um, the Enrichment Foundation. If you can just give me some clarification, I've you know heard some things about the cemeteries not being taken care of, but I do know that this program offers workforce development um, skills and. Does Enrichment Foundation offer that down at Annie Giles? Is that the same? No, I'm not familiar. So okay, well this I is, want to make sure. Yeah, the <laughs> Enrichment Foundation and the work that was um, trying to be addressed here is it is a nonprofit organization that the city of Richmond uses to solicit grants and other resources, parks and recreation especially. Okay. Um, and this was to allow not to address cemetery, but the work that they do in terms of assisting in that way to be able to um, help solicit grants to okay. administer them. Okay. That okay. work. Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you. I just, this is no. not the cemetery work. Okay. That's all. Because it would sure. be bigger than this. Okay. That's all I want to make sure we get. I wanted to make clarify yeah. that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, it is used. I mean, as the nonprofit. Okay. Work. Councilman Addison. I was going to refer to the participatory budgeting conversation. Oh, okay. Because that was all lumped into a lot of topics. Yeah, it's in. 
it's being recommended. I'm sorry. So I just want to make sure I understood what was the recommendation. $150,000 is what I'm looking at on line 45. Yes. Yes. That is, I just wanted to kind of provide a kind of an update. Yes, it was 100000 from this current year from last budget. Um, we have worked on a guidebook. I have provided an update on the timeline. Um, it's, they're looking to continue the engagement, build the task force, support the operation components of getting this rolled out, engaging communities um, across district lines. This is meant to be neighborhood focused, uh, mostly around the areas I think highlighted through the Richmond 300 master plan some of the area nodes that are necessarily divided by districts to work on engaging residents around needs in their community. Um, and so this is a continuation of this initiative from, I think we approved it pre-pandemic or in that pandemic budget, uh, which of course was not ideal and created some delays, but here we are at a place moving forward. I know this is a, um, a really great initiative to engage the public in our budgeting process um, and put some um, education components, but more importantly, get some uh, investment done in their communities um, as part of our budget. So we can start looking at uh, across the boundary, how we look to fund those those priorities. Um, we're going to learn more as it rolls out in terms of what the actual funding requirements are. But this $150,000 is to continue uh, with their um, outreach, engagement, public meetings, conversations, the task force and other outcomes preparing us for next year's budget to have more engagement around this process. Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Trammell, did you have? Yeah, Madam President, every year we go through this, every single year over the budget. And it looks like, and I'm sick and tired of certain areas getting every damn thing. And Southside, the 8th and the 9th, I'll say that, that we get left out year after year after year. I'm serious. I've worked all weekend like I do every weekend, taking pictures of flooding over there on, on Lock Haven, over there on South Hall. Um, you know, we pay all this stormwater money and we can't get this stuff cleaned out, this done, that done. I just showed Councilman Michael Jones just a couple of pictures. And, you know, it was just a write-up recently about, you know, it never mentioned our area. It never mentioned Southside. Oh, wait a minute, sorry, it did. It, it mentioned Manchester. After that, it's like we're lost. Won't you just put a damn wall up or something and just forget about us over here? But I'm serious. I forgot where I seen it. It was um, and one of the um, things talking about had some of the best places to go live in Richmond. It's everything but our area. It's like we we don't. It's like with we with the leftovers, with the left and with. The one casino that we had, I had so much hope for, and my people did, the $25 million that would at least put us a little bit on the map. It wouldn't have been just for the 8th and 9th. It was a piece of the pie for all of you, not just us. Well, so, Ms. Trammell, to your point, could I ask? I'm just tired. Every year I fight, fight, fight for this, 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 and I'm told you're going to get this, this, this. Don't get a damn thing. Don't get, I mean, you call 311. These people are not lying to me. I got them. We're right. here, here. When you call 311, you're put on hold. You don't get people to answer you. And then they put it in. Then it, nothing happens. I, I, I mean, I got five areas just this weekend that I've looked at. And it's like, it's horrible. 
once you know, so I would ask it by complaint, but it's just me. I don't have a whole staff that I can call on a Saturday or Sunday and say, can you come out here? Can you look at this? Can I have to take the pictures? I have to send it in on a Monday. So, Ms. Trammell, I would ask the administration to identify within the the category CIP and other categories those items specific to your district and to the South Side, and to be able to share that with us. I know we're going to do CIP, but and the particular areas that you are mentioning to make to see if those are included already beyond beyond the prior discussion we were just having about uh, venture Richmond. Is that something? that we could get Mr. Saunders? Madam President, he is helping. He is helping. He takes the calls. It's, you know, just like, for instance, you know, what are we going to do about the police cars? Another one just crashed on Chamberlain Avenue. Okay. You know, we need police cars. We need police officers. We need Hispanic okay. officers that are out in the district helping us. I, I just got you. a text email that we don't have okay. this, don't have that. You know, so Lincoln, so I'm frustrated, but it's every single year. And thank God I got my colleague over here that knows because he sees it in his area. Like I said, just put a daggone brick wall. I know Mr. Marshall, when he was here, he was talking about building a bridge so that we would so we would feel like we are connected to sizes north and south. It's always across the river that gets every daggone thing they want. And we fight, so, fight and we're told we're going to help you. We're going to do this. Nothing. So, Ms. Trammell, I'm going to ask the administration to be responsive to you. We do have the items that you requested have been included in this. I want to get through the rest of the budget if there's some additional. For years and years and years. But that's not something in this particular budget. If it's in CIP, I'm asking that they would identify those items for the South Side so Ms. Trammell can know what is being included to be addressed in the upcoming budget. What the hell has changed? What has changed? Please Ms. tell me that. Size, Ms. we spend how much money? Thousands and thousands of dollars for a sign, but it's still got the same activity, the same drug dealing, the same prostitutes, which is worse now than ever because we don't have a vice unit. We don't have traffic out there, speeding Ms. and every daggone thing else. Mr. Saunders, I just hear provide the clarification that the capital budget currently does list projects by district. And so okay. the, the um, I, I'll I'll find a copy of that and get it to me. And we'll have that for tomorrow as well. The CIP. Oh, sure. Um, yes, uh, we'll 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 bring the capital budget book. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. And uh, I think to your point, really having opportunity to see by district what is highlighted, and then those items that you have as prior priorities, whether they are addressed or not, and then to have conversation with the administration about how we get them addressed. So, yes. Honey. That's what I'm talking about. That CIP would be the dollars. On Chapel Drive, we're going to do this. We come out here, we do this, we do that. Then what happens? I hear you. I mean, I can put you out there and let you stand there with the sign that says, okay, let me, let me measure this. Let me, oh, that's, that's another five more million dollars. Because guess what? Everything's gone up. This is 2022. Absolutely. Not, tw- not 1998. Thank you. Mr. Eichelberger. Yes, ma'am. If we could go to the next and last section. There are no other sections. Well, I'm looking at the next page here. That scenario for potential operating budget reductions, General. Um, the operating budget reductions. That's is, what I have as the next. Yes. Yeah. Hold on a second. The operating budget reduction. 
Jones. Got to go to this. Sorry, this very, unless my thing is. No, you're, you're good. Is that what everybody else? The operating budget reductions, you don't really have a response from the administration on the reductions. Um, I took a look at them. Um, you only have two that are really um, up in the air. The administration did come back with the million dollars from the contingency account in the non-departmental. Um, then uh, there's the technical adjustment of 15 million. Uh, there are two proposed reductions. Uh, the first here was from Councilmember Lambert, a proposal to reduce the um, operating budget of the Office of Community Wealth Building by 4.44186%, which I figured out was $182,460. That's the first reduction that's not addressed anywhere else. And then the next one from Councilmember Lynch, negative $200,000, which is the, the new funding that's in there for non-departmental to go to the Help Me Help You Foundation. Um, those two need a decision. The other, the offset depot tax reduction item is an amendment from Council Member Addison in which he proposes to reduce the depot tax from 0.58 to 0.55, I believe it was. Um, the issue there still is that if you reduce the B-poll tax uh, rate below what the budget was based on, you're going to have to have budget reductions commensurate with that. The discussion from a couple weeks ago was that the intent is that there will be more money coming in than the budget is proposed indicates. If that's the case, you're gonna need, it, it sounds strange, but you would need to get the administration to agree that the revenue estimate should go up by, for example, $3 million so that you can then cut it by $3 million and come right back to where you are right now. But without one of those two actions, either budget cuts to reduce the budget and keep it in balance, or a revenue increase that you, then you can offset with a revenue decrease ordinance, you really can't go forward with this in its, in its current state. So that's... Thank you, Mr. Eichelberger. Any discussion on these items? Vice President Robertson. Oh, yes. My question is in regards to the reduction uh, to the Office of Community Wealth Building. I know that Ms. Lambert has something that I'm going to be absolutely astonished to hear. All ears. Um. I was told, you know, this is my second budget go around and um, I was looking at where I could cut and I felt like the Office of Community Wealth Building um, could stand to decrease by 4.44186%, which is 182,000. Um, that was to fund my um, request for my studies is what I, um, believe is what that cut is for. So it's to help fund something that is not as much in the budget, Office of Community Wealth Building. I know that office 
is going through its transition. So right now, I just felt like that money can be used, served otherwhere where I request in my study. Madam Chair, um, the, I appreciate Go ahead, Vice that President. That is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> because the question, the, the study is covered. Um, study is being done. But I do want to elaborate just a second because, you know, what we're dealing with with poverty and everybody's amendments that are related to poverty, you know, to just suggest that 4.4 is, you know, we haven't reduced the poverty 4.4 yet. So we can't be talking about, I mean, we got lots of work to be done. And uh, whereas I appreciate you tried to find a cut, most people, we didn't do that. Um, but that's not the place. That's never going to be the place in Richmond for a long, long time. Totally understand. That's why we're here Thank discussing you. and I'm always open for feedback from my council colleagues. So, um, but my amendments have been funded. And so that was kind of like in this process, try to figure out where I could cut. And that's what I suggested. So thank you. Appreciate that. No worries. Thank you. Based on the fact that the items that you were trying to find have been cut, is this an item you would withdraw? Thank you. The other item that um, I'd like to speak to is, and I'm sorry that a colleague is not here. Uh, okay, is the um, uh, Help Me Help You Foundation $200,000. Um, we have returning citizens uh, currently, but also a projection of even more that will be returning based on the relaxing of some of the um, laws that have allowed for some earlier departure um, from those settings. And so to not have comprehensive coordinating services um, will also impact our homeless population as folks come out and have no place to go and no services or resources, but also will negatively impact um, the ability of returning citizens to become reengaged in community, in family, in gaining jobs, in housing, and everything else. And so um, I, I'd be interested in hearing more from our colleague, but that's the reality. We have returning citizens. They are in need of service uh, and services and uh, coordinated, uh, comprehensive continuum of services um, I think will be critical. So I have um, Councilman Addison. Thank you, Council President. Um, I just wanted to respond to the uh, people reduction paper. Uh, we did go through a, a lengthy process of this discussion that we came to an agreement with the increase in the uh, uh, threshold. And I do, do want to thank uh, the administration for getting to that conclusion. Um, this was just a placeholder for that conversation to continue. Um, and I, I think this would be better suited for um, our next steps with our competitiveness for the uh, our economic decisions as we look forward into next year. Uh, I think it would also help to have the the CAFR or whatever the acronym for that is now to show what the final year terms are for the actual results of what we received from revenue for BPOL, um, especially as we look to what the impact uh, for the threshold was. And so I will be withdrawing that as well, um, mostly because of the uncertainty of which direction we'll go. I will, We'll work with the administration um, as this decision usually impacts January 1st to December 31st based upon how BPOL taxes work. 
And so um, I will remove that from this consideration, but we'll be looking to next steps for our, our conversations around being a more business friendly environment. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. And I guess I should have said I will certainly approach our colleague to consider withdrawing um, the items to do with um, services that would be made available to returning citizens. But uh, in as much as she's not here in this moment, I would like to certainly hear um, her comments, but I would be um, recommending that. Councilwoman. Trammell and then Councilwoman Lambert, I'll come back to you. Thank you, Madam President. Um, it's not picking on one organization per se. You know, question. I know that my colleague's not here to to ask some questions or whatever. Help me, help you, Foundation. But a lot of people are saying that it looks like there's so many organizations out there that's supposed to be doing the same thing, and they're asking me, um, how do you determine to give somebody 200,000 or 300,000, another person only gets 50,000. Then I've been asked by a person, a couple of people that did not make it because I guess they didn't do the paperwork right. They were asking, does anybody do a follow-up once they finish the program? They said, because they heard, I guess, some of the colleagues say something about that when, I guess, when they're in the program, there'll be a monitor and then someone keeps saying you got the inspector general or whoever that can go and audited or whatever. But the problem is what happens when they get out of these programs? And that's I don't have a, I don't I don't know if anybody how many people go through the program, how many people fail, how many people pass. So that's some Thank of the emails and, and calls that I have been getting since last week. Thank you, Madam. Thank President. you, Councilwoman Trammell. Um, Councilwoman Lambert. Thank, thank you, Madam Chair. I just want to piggyback off my colleague, um, begin the same questions. Um, and this process that we're going through, there is a paper in there to look at how we go through the budget process. And in that, my questions have been as well with these non-departmental organizations. Where's the report? Where's the, um, where's the money going? And, um, help me help you foundation was one in question. Um, we just don't have the information to make a sound choice to say, hey, you deserve 200000 So the process needs to be changed because right now it's like Ms. Trammell says, one organization is getting money, another organization isn't because they may not be putting in the application at the same time. The whole process needs to be revamped. And so um, my colleague is not here to address it, but it is a concern, especially myself. Um, when it comes to organizations, nonprofits that are getting funding from the city, there has to be some oversight in that process. And right now we don't have that. And so that's why there's a lot of questions about these organizations getting funding and how they're helping. My question is for Help Me Help You, how many of these individuals are going through the program and actually coming back in um, working in the community? You know, those are the type of numbers we want to see. If we're giving money to these organizations, we want to see where the money's going, how is it being effective, and how is it lowering our poverty rate. So I don't want to go on, but I totally agree with my colleague, and that was my other colleague is not here to answer it. So, but thank you. That's what I wanted to get some clarification. Thank you, Councilwoman Lambert. Uh, Councilwoman Jordan. Thank you. I had uh, two questions. One, I would agree, and I think 
we had asked in an earlier work session to see a comparison of how many individuals these different organizations are serving. Like, are you giving X amount to a group that typically helps a dozen people or 50 people, 200? Like, we want to make sure we're making the most out of every dollar. And then how does that compare with our council or city priorities of the things that we're trying to move forward for the city? Um, so I think, yeah, we wonderful. There are lots of things that have been discussed about the budget process. I do think this is one that needs revisiting. And then specifically, when I was looking at the some of these different um, orgs, I just had a practice, just a, a question for the Manchester funds. Um, it's as in here, it, or they had a hundred thousand. So for the council recommended 200 are we saying 200 in addition to the 100 um the, the amendment was for 200 so it would be 200 in addition to what's there to bring it up to 300 okay and then so what now is our our variance from what we have like now we have to go back and cut some correct well the variance is an interesting question because thank you um at the moment we need to get some resolution on this last cut the discussion that I hear leads me to believe that there is not support for cutting the 200,000 for the Help Me Help You Foundation. So I don't think we have arrived at that. Um, in that case, that con discussion needs to continue okay. because right now we were trying to allow. Yeah. Right, we were trying to allow for um, the presence of the patron of that paper, but. Um, when you talk about city priorities, I was going to go back. We put in ban the box so that we could assist people returning to get jobs. And then there has to be support for that to occur. I mean, that legislation has been back there. How well we're implementing it may be something yet again. Our homeless population, when we look at many of some of them, substance, uh, mental health, co-occurring, but also returning citizens. So there are a variety of things that I think we would consider um, in the discussion, but I think we, so we're not there. And I think we were all trying, I certainly wanted to hear the patrons um, um, comments and discussion thereof. So, so no, I don't think we were at the place where we're ready to say no, that that one would go forward or yes, that that one would go forward. Um, so, and I want, before, Bill, I know you're trying to get us down the road. I apologize. I'm going to go. Um, Councilman Jones. I did. Yes. Councilman Jones. And then, Bill, I'm going to see where we are and where we go. Yes, ma'am, my president. Um, I, I just want to speak to, to all of this. I've long been critical of the non-departmental process. They, they won. They won. Um, and I know the administration has done differently in reviewing uh, applications as they come in. They, 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 they are doing that. And I know there's an extensive process by doing that. Um, but I do know there are not a lot of organizations out there that do uh, returning citizen work. This isn't. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> What I don't want to see is a different standard for one org because of whatever else, right? Um, I'm 
I'm, I'm just, hey, whatever test, whatever, whatever litmus test we're going to use, this is for all of them. Don't try and pit black organizations against other black organizations uh, to take money here to give to other black orgs. Uh, I think that's, and, and, I, and I'll say that once my colleague is in, in chambers. That can cause a problem within American community. Someone is doing that, and it looks very interesting. And so we can have that dialogue in this house. But, but hold on, hold on, Madam President. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Um, we give money to organizations that are not run by black and brown heads every year. Don't check, don't do anything. Not that that's right. Not that that's right. So as we institute this whole thing of, hey, let's check, I'm sure helping help you is fine with that because they are doing work. They're doing the work in the community. They are. I've seen it. I, they are actually set up shop in one of my colleagues, one of his churches, one, on one of his properties, seeing the work that they do. I know who they're helping. And again, they're helping a population that most people don't run to help. It's easy. Gun violence prevention, that is such a dangerously broad brush to paint on a lot of these programs. Because I, I had a conversation with one. I'm like, looks like y'all just an extension of parks and recs. You look at what they're doing. And we need to look at that program and that group and their objectives. Same scrutiny, the same amount of scrutiny sure. that we're doing with Help Me Help You. But again, I know they're out doing the work. I have an issue with them receiving those funds because everyone wants, you know, individuals to make that adjustment back into population. But there are so many hurdles for individuals who paid their debt to society and then still can't get housing, can't get jobs, can't do all these other things. And no one's making a whole lot of time for them. And so then we lament when there's a revolving door, you know, within the, you know, within uh, the criminal justice system. Right. And so either we fund some of these things, which I think we're doing right here, which I think the administration did, uh, and we move forward. Uh, outside of that, don't pit black organizations against other black orgs because that's happening here. So we see other black orgs that have been funded or or requested funding by 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 said person and here's a decrease right here i take offense to that thank you mr jones um i think certainly um the patron when she is here and we'll have further discussion um there are many points relative to non-departmental and how the amount of funding uh, shouldn't necessarily be the driver. Um, and to your point, the same litmus test that we're applying needs to be across the board. Um, Councilman Addison, I'm going to ask that you would be brief and breathtaking and um, so that we can move to the next place with Mr. Eichelberger. I will. Oh, I'll I'm be sorry, quick. I didn't see Thank your you. name. Um, it's not a just to add to the conversation around non-departmental budget. 
funding. Um, if you look at $8.6 million in the total amount given, sure, some of it is required. I get that. Um, but that makes us one of the biggest um, charitable donor donors in the city, and that's not the region. Um, and I think that this type of funding requires our diligence of strategic alignment with the outcomes you want to see done. Um, I know from conversations from this conversation we've had in, in this, these chambers about this topic, um, it'd be a lot of our our partners in the, the community would be welcome to help provide their experience and insights how they create funding strategies, priorities, goals, initiatives to achieve outcomes um, to help us with this process. And I think that would be good to know exactly what our philanthropic leaders are donating into right now. And I think that's a key aspect is where are they donating? Where are we providing charitable contributions? What are the outcomes we're trying to see with that? And it should not be, yeah, competition's good, but I wanna see that we're supporting the needs of our community um, in areas and ways that we might not be able to as a government, but that's what these this funds go to. So for me, I just wanna see that conversation happen with us moving into preparing for next year's budget prior to hopefully this November-ish time period to explore exactly what this process looks like, where we want this money to go, and how we can make sure that we're seeing the best outcome for these hard-earned taxpayer dollars going into our community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Addison. And I apologize. The last brief and breathtaking will be Vice President Robertson, but I would add to Mr. Addison that many of these entities use this funding to leverage to try to attract other funding from philanthropic corporate and foundations. And Vice President Robertson. I thought you were still talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to take up much time on this. I just want to point out that, yes, non-departmental funding has always been a challenge. And the mechanism for evaluation, determination, what's the outcomes, what's the leverage? That's the big piece that I think we overlook, how much money is being leveraged for the what we put in. Um, but, you know, um, how we make decisions about the million dollars that we put in through the ARP funds for gun violence, you know, and going to, it's going through an application process. So I, I do think that are we getting the bang that we're looking for? I'm not sure that we have a systematic way of measuring that. But I also want to suggest the same thing with our authorities that we work with, you know, the Greater Richmond Transit Company, the um, Richmond Redevelopment Housing Authority, others that we do not have good MOUs with good expectations of what the return on those monies that we, and I mention this only because where there's a possibility to put tax amendments in the budget that the staff and the attorney begin working on thinking through that process because I know one year we were very effective in putting tax amendments in and it appears to me that the next year it was like couldn't put many tax amendments into certain things. And I'm not sure I understand where, but that is one way that we have previously used to make sure that we're getting back the information that we need for appropriations in the budget. Thank you, Vice President Robertson. So at this point, folks, where we are, we have gone through the entirety of the spreadsheet we still have um, decisioning to make. So in this category, um, I didn't hear any concerns about the moving the RPS funding from non-departmental, but 
and it, we had the withdrawal of the uh, Councilwoman Lambert's item. The item that's still on the table is the item to do with um, the nonprofit Help Me Help You. So that's a decision point on this page. Then as we come back um, on this, I'm going in bottom up government services. The question was about um, 18 and 18A being uh, remaining in the budget. Um, for the two items you can see there, land value, home, et cetera. There was a question uh, relative to um, the library and uh, administration is going to get back with us on that. In the compensation category, there were two questions, one to do with the collective bargaining and what amount will remain there, uh, 330 um, was um, the uh, recommendation coming from the amendment from the administration's review and our staff review had zero and I think based on Councilwoman Nye's discussion it was she was referencing a half million. The other discussion has to do with retirees and that's to an item to come back. The other category housing and homelessness there I think there was nothing to pretty much that was there was not an outstanding item for decisioning um, schools, neither. Um, then the only other item under council agencies was the addition of the 232 for the inspector general. So those are the decision points, which I think are pretty straightforward that if we could add another hour to the um, budget session tomorrow, we could get through everything, this and CIP. Okay, two, if I can. Would people be amenable to that? We could complete this and then CIP is not very lengthy at all. Um, CIP is not lengthy if you agree with the administration. Right, well, I meant going through the categories and most, a lot of the things were there. So, um, Councilwoman Jordan. One clarifying question. Um, I know when I talked to administration about the urban forester position, it sounded like there, it was possible to use um, position control to fill that. Is that something we could fill now so that the individual could go ahead and start facilitating the, the forestry master plan? And then that would not have to be reflected as new funding. Is that something that we could do? Are you talking item 22? Yes, maybe. No, or no. 22A. No. Which one? I lost my place. The urban forester yeah, position, 22. 22, and you're asking if that is something that helps. If, mm -hmm. if there's funding now, get that person going, and then that frees up 100, well, Councilman, I believe that. that there's a maybe a misunderstanding of what, what we discussed last week in regards okay. to position control is the way that and essentially using personnel savings in the current year is a way for us maybe to get a position hired, you know, not having to wait for July 1 to post a position to move it forward. We would still need the funding to staff fund those positions for the fiscal year. What I was discussing is maybe us being able on some of the areas where we're look, adding FTEs and capacity being able to start that before we close out this fiscal year, but we would still need the funding to, to pay for them in the next year. Okay, got it. Does that make sense? It yeah. was just Thanks. being able to okay. start earlier rather than not need the funding for the next year. 
Appreciate the clarification. Thank you. Trying so, to find some more money. Okay. Would members be able to um, provide an extra hour, extend our work session tomorrow so we can try to close out this budget? So we are scheduled from one to four. Okay. Don't throw shoes or anything, but would you consider one to six? Yes. Have food. Have food. I, I mean, so that we can get closure. I think we can get closure. We're pretty close with what we've gone through and discussed today. You see, there are not very few items. And then see, can we start an hour early? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's Tuesday. So what folks, so would we be able to do that, everyone? Okay, so we're going, so we would start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. Um, is there a public safety committee meeting tomorrow? Oh, okay. So we could start at 12. And then we could go to five. Wow, that, thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So 12 to 5. Mr. Addison. We would be done by 4. You can do noon to 4. Okay. And I think Ms. Lambert said yes. We have to check with Ms. I and Ms. Lynch. Okay. Uh, we will just reconfirm, but I would like to see that we go on and close out tomorrow. I think we can get there. Okay, so with that, members, thank you. Um, the work session, budget work session for City Council now stands adjourned. Mr. Eichelberger, Mr. Saunders, Ms. Joy Hogg, Mr. May, um, all of our staff. Madam President. Thank um, you. To bring this to uh, to your attention, uh, City Attorney just informed me that um, because the work session was previously noticed at one o'clock, it may not be able to start an hour earlier. Okay, so members, because we have posted the budget work time, we might not. So one o'clock would need to be the start time. So if we could do from one until six. Mr. Jones. Okay. One until six. Mr. Brown, you were saying the start time needs to remain the same, but we could extend. Yes, ma'am. You can go okay. as long as you want. I shudder to say that. Thank you. Members, would you be able to accommodate? Uh huh. Councilman Jones, Councilwoman Trammell. With that one to start time at one instead of, uh, thank you. Madam President, I have a question for either you or Haskell Brown. Have either of you received the official certification of the additional 2.7 million from the administration? I have not. Nope. Does no. the administration have any comments about when we will receive certification? 
stay again? They're they're saying it's certified, but in the past, what's required is a letter or at a minimum, an email to either the city attorney or the council president, Haskell. So it's usually a memo signed by the mayor and the director of finance. A, a memo signed by the mayor and director of finance. Um, until that is in hand, you cannot wrap up the budget because okay, we're so short. Ms. Joy Hogg, could we get that certification? Could we get that certification by tomorrow morning? Thank you. And then With, the, the last thing is what I'm going to do to get ready for tomorrow is I'm going to take everything that we've discussed um, and move it over into the council po potential increases column. And that will let us take a look at where you stand in terms of a balance. Right. And then we can be clear based on the discussion today, those items that we need to get closure on. Right. Well, the overall, some, but I'm the ones put, that were discussion points. Yeah, I'm going to put some numbers in for those things, but okay. it will probably put you out of balance and you're just going to have to come back in balance somehow. Thank you. With that, we will start our session tomorrow at 1. Thank you for accommodating by allowing us to go for another couple of hours so we can complete this budget. Mr. Eichelberger, thank you again. Um, thank you, members. The work session now stands adjourned.